We're back with another edition of 10 Blocks. This is your host, Seth Barron, associate editor of City Journal. People in big cities around the country regularly encounter individuals who are clearly troubled and often seriously mentally ill. Despite decades of work and attention to the issue, our society has not yet come up with an effective way to treat the mentally ill in a humane manner. In fact, many of these people wind up getting arrested, either for minor or serious crimes, and then cycle in and out of the jail system, which has become the nation's de facto mental health treatment facility. I'm joined now by Stephen Ide, senior fellow at Manhattan Institute and contributing editor to City Journal. He writes frequently on the intersecting issues of mental illness and homelessness and has a piece in the current issue of City Journal entitled, Keeping the Mentally Ill Out of Jail. Hi, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Seth. So nice of you to have me on. So, um, Steve, why is this a problem? Uh, Why aren't the mentally ill uh, in mental hospitals? Well, that's the way that we used to do it. When we talk about the public mental health care system, what the government does to help the mentally ill, it used to do that in only one way. Up until the 1950s, we ran these massive um, mental asylums, mental institutions um, that housed hundreds of thousands of people. For various reasons, we decided to phase that system out into into it through a process known as deinstitutionalization. So now, for the most part, we try to treat mentally ill, even people with serious mental illnesses, such as schizophrenia, bipolar depression, um, in the community and outpatient forms of treatment as much as possible. Um, That has meant a somewhat fragmented system of delivery for mental health care, and oftentimes people have difficulty accessing the treatment that they need for their particular condition. Um, And one of the reasons why we know that this 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 um, approach does not work very well, why we regularly debate how to reform mental health care, is the large numbers of mentally ill people in jails and prisons. Um, in fact, in every state, the largest kind of mental health facility, inpatient mental health facility, you could say, is a jail, which is, has, has a larger patient load than the, um, than the largest state mental hospital at this point. So, we, this is a problem, and in various ways we try to um, address this rate of high levels of mental illness amongst our incarcerated population. Yeah, but um, what's the problem with sending these people to jail if they've committed a crime? Uh, are you in favor of an insanity defense? Uh, yes, I, that's. Um, but for the most part, when we talk about the... Um, very large population of mentally ill behind bars. We're not talking about people who are guilty by reason of insanity. That's a real sliver. Um, and we're really talking about jails, places where people go after they've been arrested, but before their you know case has been processed, before their offense has been adjudicated. Um, this most the idea I think is that most of these people are there because they're sick, not because they're criminals. Um, many of them are picked up for low-level offenses, nonviolent offenses, and had they received proper treatment, they wouldn't be there. But because they're not receiving treatment, um, that's where they wind up. And many of them, as many kind of journalistic exposés show, such as a series in the Virginia Pilot newspaper last year. Um, their condition tends to worsen while they're behind bars. I see. So what is the scope of this problem? Uh, I mean, 
what percentage of people in jail are mentally ill? How often do they get arrested? The seriously mentally ill are about 4 to 5% of the adult population, but they're somewhere around 20% of the jail population. So they're disproportionately represented um, in the jails. And I, I take it there's not a lot of treatment for them in the jails? Well, that depends. Um, there are certainly many um, good people who work in the criminal justice system who are psychiatrists who try to provide treatment. Um, some states do a better job than others. But I don't think, you know, anyone thinks that this is an ideal scenario, that people think that this is, you know, this is really a, ca a cause that we we um, we lack a proper mental health care system. We shouldn't think of more ways to deliver better mental health care behind bars. Well, in your latest article for City Journal, Keeping the Mentally Ill Out of Jail, uh, you profile a program in Miami that you seem to think is doing a good job. Can you describe this program uh, to our listeners? Yes, this program is called the Criminal Mental Health Project. Um, it, it is in Miami-Dade County. Um, it began in 2000, and it was designed by and is still run by a judge named um, Steve Leifman. He's a county judge in Florida. Um, it's an alternative to incarceration program or a jail diversion program. The idea is to identify people who have recently been arrested for a low-level offense, a misdemeanor, or a nonviolent felony, um, and uh, put them in a pr treatment program instead of leaving them in jail. And so long as they comply with the terms of that treatment program after a certain period of time, um, their charges are dropped and they're allowed to continue to remain in the community as opposed to being sent deeper and deeper into the criminal justice system where their illness is likely to be exacerbated. So what's an example of the type of crime and how would this then be I mean, I, I assume this doesn't work for murderers. No, it's a certain type of person. Um, this, these would not be very serious offenses. They would not be violent offenses. But it could be something as serious as, let's say, trespassing or something. Um, and um, or low-level theft, something, you know. Um, and so you, um, in some cases, when a seriously mentally ill person gets picked up for something like that, they... Um, they get in jail, they stay in jail, They maybe they, they get beat up while they're in jail, maybe they um, have some sort of altercation with, um, with the um, corrections officers, maybe more offenses pile up. That's what I mean by getting kind of sucked deeper and deeper into the system. So instead of allowing that to happen, you divert them away from jail. This is to provide an alternative to incarceration. Oh, okay, I see. Um, now, what about uh, drug addiction? Are many, I mean, is that considered an illness, a mental illness that, uh, in, in the sense that you're talking about? Well, the problems of mental Ill, untreated mental illness, substance abuse, there's a lot of overlap between them. A lot of mentally ill people um, have substance abuse problems. In this particular program, around 70% of the participants in this program have some sort of substance abuse problem and that would be part of the treatment program when they are put in, in when they are put into the community to um, and monitored as far as the progress of their treatment program goes one component of that treatment program would be treatment for their substance abuse 
um, issue in addition to their kind of underlying um, mental disorder. So what kind of outcomes has this Miami program uh, demonstrated? Is it working? Is it portable? Could we uh, adopt it in New York City or could San Francisco take it up, for instance? Uh, this is a successful program. Um, hundreds of people have come through it and been able and been and had their charges dropped and been able to um, live safely in the community. Um, uh, this is, you know, New York does have um, its own set of alternative to incarceration program. This program um, I thought was worth profiling because it's unusually well known, high profile. Um, New York is often said to have one of the most robust sets of alternative to incarceration programs. Another similar program is called a mental health court, where it's or a problem solving court for people with mental illness. Similar idea. Basically, what you need, and I talk about this in my article for some sort of alternative to incarceration program to work for the mentally ill, you need to have um, a social services system in New York City and Miami-Dade County are places where there is, you know, a relatively robust um, social service sector um, that, that provides treatment programs that you can put people in states that regardless of what their attitude is towards like letting, you know, <clears throat> criminal offenders out on the streets without having their charges adjudicated. Um, if they don't have, you know, so mental health programs that they could put people into, it's not going to work, um, as well for them. Um, New York city has put a lot of money into, uh, treating people who have um, mental uh, illness and, you know, trying to get their mental health straight. Uh, we have a program called Thrive NYC. Um, are you familiar with this program? And does that overlap with the type of program that Miami is doing? Thrive NYC is a very different type of program than the, the criminal mental health project in Miami-Dade. Miami-Dade's criminal mental health project is strictly for seriously mentally ill um, offenders. It's only for the seriously mentally ill. Thrive NYC pitches itself as a comprehensive mental health program that's for everybody, regardless of the severity of their mental disorder. So is that less effective or it's a different type of program? I think, uh, well, it's certainly a different type of program. I think it's 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 less effective and it's not going to end up doing very much for the problem of serious mental illness, which really requires a special type of approach. I mean, I think it's an open question what the government's responsibility is, what kind of like public sector policy response we need towards pro problems such as anxiety, mild depression. Maybe that's the government's responsibility. Maybe it isn't. It's untreated schizophrenia. Um, somebody on the streets because they're, you know, <clears throat> they've burned all their bridges with friends and family. They've been rattling in throughout the system of jails, homeless shelters in the streets because of their untreated schizophrenia. Anybody would agree that that is a governmental responsibility. And I think what you one lesson from the Criminal Mental Health Project is that you really need a specially tailored response to that kind of program. You, if you're just going to kind of loop it into a larger mental health push, um, it's just going to get kind of um, lost and is not going to receive the kind of special attention and care that it needs. It's a unique policy challenge, untreated serious mental illness. What about, um, we have something called Kendra's Law in New York City, uh, assisted outpatient treatment, I believe is, it's called. Um, and I understand that they have this in a lot of places. 
Uh, is AOT or Kendra's Law, is that similar to what's happening in Miami or how effective is that and how widely used is it? Kendra's Law is, uh, is uh, Kendra's Law and the Criminal Mental Health Project could both be seen as alternatives to institutionalized inpatient psychiatric care. These are both programs that allow people to live in the community that are alternatives to hospitalizing them, which a lot of mentally ill people don't want to do. They don't want to go to the hospital. So they're both kinds of forms of community services. The main difference is that Kendra's law, you're talking about people who may have had run-ins with the law in the past, but are not currently, um, you know, dealing with any charges they're not currently in jail it's a preventative program because you think that this this is someone who because of his history because he's not complying with medication if he doesn't if he isn't put in this program he's likely to wind up in jail but he's not currently facing jail time whereas the criminal mental health project you are talking about people for whom jail or even prison time could be imminent if you don't provide this diversionary alternative so um where i mean in terms of where you know the 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 practitioners and social workers and psychiatrists and people like this judge who are concerned about it, where do they think things are going? Uh, do we are we going to reopen mental hospitals to institutionalize people? Um, are we going to rely more on uh, psychotropic medications to keep them stable? How are we going to coerce people to take their medicine? Uh, I mean, this raises so many important questions about liberty and security. I, I can't even understand how we're going to deal with this. So where are we headed? We're most, the convention, conventionally speaking, we're kind of still headed on the same route we've been on for many, many years. There's not a serious um, push underway now to reopen mental institutions, to reinstitutionalize everybody. Um, there are a lot of people, myself included, think that we've reduced our inpatient psychiatric bed count way too far, that that's a pendulum that swung way too far in the op opposite direction. Um, but all of us support worthy outpatient treatment programs. These Things like Kendra's Law, Alternatives to Incarceration, these are programs that certainly did not exist in the asylum era because we were forced to develop them because of deinstitutionalization. And as a result of them, if we were to kind of build back our bed count to some degree, it wouldn't have to be anywhere near as large um, as it was in the old days because we do have strong, um, worthy alternatives to inpatient hospitalization like we didn't have back then. And no one would talk about like defunding Kendra's law or um, the criminal mental health project because we wanted to do things a different way. I mean, these are really impressive, admired programs that, um, in fact, we could talk about expanding them to some degree. Steve, thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to check out Steve Ide's work on our website, www.city-journal.org, where you can read his excellent piece, Keeping the Mentally Ill Out of Jail. It'll be going up soon. We would also love to hear your comments about today's episode on Twitter, at City Journal. Lastly, if you like our show and want to hear more, please leave ratings and reviews on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and thanks, Steve, for joining us. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.